sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. What is the standard? We don't even know now what the standard is. Standard. You have no corroboration on Brett Kavanaugh, and you're just blowing up his life and his That's friends' lives. Yeah, People are really standard. to transcend politics. I'm not an advocate for this nomination. I would not have nominated Kavanaugh. So this is for me not about whether my choice gets on the Supreme Court. It's about whether the process of confirmation is forever destroyed, and it's in the process of being destroyed. Uh, it was exactly what you would expect from somebody going through uh, what Brett Kavanaugh and his family have been through over the last uh, several weeks, and I think that he's going to make a great Supreme Court justice when we see his confirmation go through later this weekend. And now, Stacey Washington. Whoa. <laughs> Welcome to the show. I'm, whoa, 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 whoa. This has been such a whirlwind Friday. I'm just, I'm looking at the news. I'm listening to what everyone's saying. I'm, I'm, I'm just taking the, the temperature and it is hot. The news cycle is hot because the Republicans have managed to at least take us to a place where it's an up or down vote and it's anyone's guess as to how it's going to happen, how it's going to crack out. The swing voters are holding us in suspense. I guess it's it's what they have to do. Welcome to the show. Stacey Washington, host of Stacey on the Right here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Thank you for being with us. Um, how are we going to get through all of the goodies today? Well, let's start off with this hour. We were going to be talking about the Senate moving the Supreme Court nomination of Brett Kavanaugh to a vote. Uh, which means they they actually shut down debate, so there's not going to be any more debate about it. They're just going to vote, and that's the end of it. And we'll 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 what what will happen will happen. Uh, we're going to talk about the energized nature of the race for uh, next next month, November. We have an, a midterm election, and the goal was to energize Democrats through the obstruction of this nomination, but a kind of the opposite has occurred. So we'll talk about that a little bit. We're going to speak with Heather Long. She's an economics correspondent for the Washington Post. She's going to join us to talk about the latest economic numbers and what those mean for the midterms. Um, newsflash, maybe Americans, we've gotten so used to a relative level of prosperity that we can't see how good the economy really is, but that's not the case for me. I see all kinds of signs that the economic well-being of Americans is at an all-time high, and even Americans who have previously had less opportunity are now seeing avenues open up to them. So we're going to talk to her and see what to expect, hopefully um, get some even maybe a little bit of poll data. And of course, continuing throughout the program, we'll be speaking with you, 866-963-2037. The call lines are 866-963-2037. So welcome into the program. Let's get started with our daily confession. It's Luke 1019. Luke 1019. I have given you authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. I've given you authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. So does it say, you know, maybe a different translation kind of translates it to mean I, as in our father in heaven, have given us authority over the power of the enemy that I can actually feel like I can, I can take over. So anything that looks like it's within the realm of possibility for me or any power or authority over something that maybe, you know, it, it's, it's not a big deal for me. It's something that, I, you know, I can handle on my own. Or does it just say, I've given you authority to overcome all the power of the enemy? 
Well, of course, that's just what it says. So God doesn't have any qualifiers here for us. So it's not if we think we can win the battle. It's not if we think it's something that's within the realm of possibility for us or our control. It's all of the power of the enemy. And the authority that we have comes from Jesus Christ, the work that he did on the cross. So all of our efforts, things that we may be struggling with, problems that we're having, whatever the case might be, God is able, he's bigger, and He's and he will do greater, far above all that we dare ask or think according to the power that works within us. And that is his promise to us. And God is not a man that he should lie. I'm sharing that with you on a Friday. You know, normally we're like, you know, Friday, Friday, it's Friday, y'all. It's the eve of the weekend. It's time to have some fun. Well, it still is. But I know there's a lot of stress and consternation surrounding what's going on in Washington, D.C. And there are these other stories that have kind of bubbled up, but they're not being covered as much by the media. Families that are being uh, currently going to sue other families. Uh, uh, one of the stories is this kid. Um, uh, he, a bunch of girls at his school didn't like him. And so they decide to accuse him of sexual assault. And this is something that has really destroyed their family's reputation. And they're going to have to rebuild and come back from this. And the parents are now looking at suing um, these, the parent, the families of these girls, because it was simple, simply put a hit job an assassination of this kid's character and his reputation. And that is why the preponderance of the evidence is the rule of, of the day here in the United States. It's the thing that People in foreign countries, they envy that about America. They want to be American so they can be innocent until proven guilty. They can never have someone who just wants to get them out of their job or get them out of their house, uh, you know, make accusations against them and then get hauled off to jail. Like, I just heard a story this morning about the head of the, um, it's the international, um, like, police force, and he happens to be of Chinese citizenship and he's also a member of the Chinese government and as soon as he arrived in China a few weeks ago he was detained for questioning and now they say he's missing aren't you glad we don't live in a country like that so as far as the Kavanaugh nomination we have to be steadfast and unwavering in praying for this process we have to be willing to trust God and keep the prayer up not not be discouraged by our sight and what we can see. Now, we don't have the ability to go live to uh, the, the news and information that's going on right now, but I'm getting reporting direct to me that uh, Susan Collins is speaking and that she's laying into the Democrats. And so in my opinion, that is excellent news because sometimes a little bit of a verbal spanking is what's needed to get things back where they need to be. And we know for a fact that this is a, a, a hit job of the highest order. It is not that there's guilt here. It's that th there's a political aim that has to be met. And so we're going to talk about that. Right now, I want to listen to Joe Scarborough. He actually is echoing these comments. He ripped this one-sided media coverage that we're seeing right now. It's number three. Quite a few people that we talked to, who I think a lot of more registered Democrats raised questions about Dr. Ford's story. Now, that's something in 24-7 news coverage, at least in mainstream media, you never hear anybody talk about. They won't talk about it. They feel that, uh, you know, if anybody sticks their, their neck out and says that they disbelieve any part of, of, of her story, or if they talk about how there are no corroborating witnesses, 
well, they'll get absolutely slammed. I right. think you and I both said early on we found her to be very persuasive. But the media coverage of this has been so one-sided. It has been so biased. Uh, there has been the, the presumption from the very beginning yep. that every single allegation made against, uh, against the judge was true. Now, what, what is the danger of that? Well, it sets a bad example. And we all know this. It's, it happens in elementary schools and grade schools and all of that. When one student is given an enormous amount of attention and praise and uh, is, is rewarded for bad behavior, then other students think, oh, well, that's how I can be given attention as well. Being well-behaved, showing up on time, doing what I'm supposed to do, being in the right place at the right time, you know, that's, that's not getting me accolades. No one is saying, hey, good job to me. So I see that student is acting out and getting rewarded. I, I want to be rewarded too. And so kids will follow that same vein. And hey, kids are not a different species from adults. They're just underdeveloped adults. They're, they're not fully developed Adults do the same thing. Uh, people seek positive reinforcement. And if they think that a certain means to an end that wasn't available to them before suddenly is available because, hey, you know, all I have to do is say he did this, he did that, then that's what they'll do. And how far do we have to look to see an example of that? Right here. You've got this lawsuit accusing Seneca Valley mean girls of targeting a boy with false allegations. And this is on Trib Lives. So this is not some, you know, third-rate blog site that's, you know, maintained by one person. This is an actual news story. And so there's this thing called Mean Girls Day, and it's every October 3rd. And I even saw people posting wear pink on Mean Girls Day. I don't know why we would celebrate uh, behavior like that. But anyway, you know, you do you. You've got five mean girls at the school, and it's Seneca Valley High School. Michael J. and Alicia Flood of Zeleniopal, wow, Zeleniopal, Butler County, are the parents of a teenage boy. He's, his name is not identified. And they seek unspecified civil damages against the girl's parents, the school district, and Butler County District Attorney Richard Goldinger's office. The lawsuit includes the term Mean Girls, alleges they conspired in person and via electronic communication devices to falsely accuse their son of sexual assault on two occasions. So can you see why we're not just all women must be believed? No, no, no. Emmett Till, if there's anything, if there's a story in the lexicon, the history of this country that shows that you don't just don't believe somebody and go only off of someone's word, it's Emmett Till. He didn't even sexually assault or he wasn't even accused of that. He was accused of making an untoward comment to a white woman. He was black and he was lynched. So, I mean, miss me with this, all women must be believed. No, they must not. We need a preponderance of evidence. That's what we need. So the 26-page lawsuit filed in Pittsburgh on the eve of Mean Girls Day alleges that TF was forced to endure multiple court appearances, detention in a juvenile facility, detention in his own home, the loss of his liberty, and other damages until several of the girls reluctantly admitted that their accusations were false this summer. The lawsuit contends that he was bullied on multiple occasions by classmates. In one example, the lawsuit says students last year placed masking tape in the shape of the word predator on his back. Well, actually, they wrote the word predator on a piece of masking tape and stuck it to his back during choir practice. The lawsuit alleges the boy was further damaged from gender bias by school officials and Goldinger's office when even after learning the girls' accusations were false, they did not take any action against the girls involved. 
The boy was basically being tortured in school by the other students and being tortured by the investigators. And the administration only focused on protecting the girls who admitted they had lied. Once the allegations were proven false, they didn't really care one bit about the boy. And there has been absolutely no repercussion against the girls. So the next time there's a boy you don't like, or maybe he doesn't return your, uh, your, your amore, your, the, the little boy decides he's, you're just not his cup of tea. Well, you can just accuse him of sexual assault and get him investigated, get him bullied in school, could teach him a lesson. Now, I know not all girls are like this, but I didn't speak in generalization, did I? There are enough girls who don't come from homes where the truth and honor and integrity are taught and maintained as a standard that this could be a huge problem across the country. And if you have grandsons, sons, brothers, are, I mean, at what point do you begin to think to yourself, this could happen in my family? I hope that it can be something that, that would be considered. Whenever we sit up and we think, oh, well, that could never be me. That's when it's, uh, it's going to be at your doorstep. So don't, don't act as if anyone can get away with this. Get away from it. If it's the norm, it'll be the norm for everyone. And then when everyone is a rapist and a sexual assaulter, then no one will be. And real victims won't have their claims heard. Real victims won't be able to get justice because we'll be too busy dealing with all the wolf claims. Fault. Oh, here we go again with somebody who brought claims up and wasted you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of taxpayer resources on an investigation into something that never happened. There are real world ramifications for believing everyone. And never requiring that evidence accompany a claim. So we've just got another minute left. And I want to go out with this audio from Mary Madeline. She says uh, on Fox, there's nothing short of a miracle what President Trump has gotten done in the face of the opposition that he's had going against him. It's number seven. Oh, okay. Well, we'll come back in with it. <laughs> After the music plays, we'll have some important news and information for you. And then we'll be back with our first guest, Heather Long, economics correspondent for The Washington Post. So head over to AFR.net and UrbanFamilyTalk.com. We'll be right back. What if I told you that you could clean your family's laundry and help reach the next generation at the same time? That opportunity is here through a company called Redeem Clean. Every time you use Redeem Clean products, you help support the Ministry of the American Family Association. In addition to your regular AFA giving, Redeem Clean laundry detergent allows you to increase your support of AFA just by continuing to wash your family's clothes. Redeem Clean products work as well as or better than other products on the market. They're environmentally safe, biodegradable, and they're made in the USA. And they were developed exclusively for the support of the American Family Association. For clean laundry and support of a cleaner society, it's Redeem Clean. Learn more, find options, and order Redeem Clean products at afastore.net. That's afastore.net.
Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. Mike Singletary is in the National Football League Hall of Fame. During the 2004 Super Bowl festivities, he was interviewed. Uh, in response to one of the questions, Singletary said this, Early on, I came to realize my ability to play football is a gift from God. God gave me this body. He gave me the hand-eye coordination. He gave me the ability. But I also learned that everything I had done had to be done for the honor and glory of God. So you see, when I stepped out on those football fields and stepped out between those white lines, it wasn't about Mike Singletary, but it was about the honor and glory of God and using what God had given me to honor and glorify him. What a statement. No one expected that answer. It's all about him and not about us. We are channels, conduits for the declaration of the honor and glory of God. Listen to Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 15 and 16. So the wall was completed on the 25th of the month of Elul in 52 days. And it came about when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations surrounding us saw it, they lost their confidence. For they recognized that this work had been accomplished with the help of the Lord our God. There are several quick observations I want to make here. One is that the process of building the wall was about the power and reputation of God. Secondly, what God accomplishes through us reflects the impotence of his enemies. Then thirdly, what God does through us is supernatural. It's all about him. Here's what I want you to remember today. What we do is not about us. We're just the channels and instrument God uses. If we remember this, we will marvel at his greatness. Legacy Moment is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Global Ministries. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. It's anarchy. This is not civil discourse. It's anarchy and it's a it's destruction of the culture. We're sissifying men. You know, in our my day of feminism. There was, there's always been like a virile and a, a virulent strain of a, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bike. So we've gone from not needing men, today's feminists want to castrate men, emasculate men. You know what's going to affect generations of people to come when we don't, when men are behaving like sissies and women are behaving like anarchists and that's the definition of successful feminism. It's not, if you want to stand up for women, what about Ashley, sweet little Ashley Kavanaugh, who sat outside W. Bush's, President Bush's office, the epitome of class and decorum. Brett, who had the hardest job, by my estimation, in the White House, the staff secretary, which requires absolute, unequivocal discretion and, and, and again, decorum. This huge record today, his friend, Joel Kaplan, who's a friend of ours, is being attacked at Facebook, they're probably gonna run him out of there because he attended the hearing of Brett Kavanaugh whose wedding he was in and has been friends with for 20 years. Uh, the, the, of the many incredible, miraculous things that President Trump has done, and this is nothing short of a miracle what he's got done, but he's done it in the face of constant thwarting and lying and fallaciousness and these viral attacks on him and his person and his people. They're chasing his cabinet members and his staff out of restaurants. They're sending they're sending a, a private information of senators. He has exposed the hypocrisy and the ineptitude of the loyal opposition, Senator Spartacus, and people are tuning in 
and they're saying, who are these people? Hmm. Welcome back to the program. Uh, that was Mary Madeline, and she was just kind of on a roll there about what, what's, what's actually happening. In addition to the exposition of, of the true motives behind the, the accusation from Christine Ford, there's just a, a whole lot of other things on display that Americans are kind of just, it's like you just wake up and you smell the coffee. You're like, oh, wait, what am I looking at here? So we've, we've got a lot to unpack. Right now, it's my pleasure to welcome Heather Long, economics correspondent for The Washington Post. Heather, thank you for joining us today. Hi, good to be back. It's good to talk to you. Since we last chatted, wages have ticked up just a tad. So you have the latest economic numbers. Tell us, is it good? Is it bad? What's going on? It's kind of a mixed bag today, but the exciting part is unemployment uh, fell to 3.7% in September. So that's the lowest since 1969. So a lot of people are making their uh, their jokes about what life was like back in the 60s. Um, anyway, uh the reason I say it's a little bit of a mixed bag is um, while some measures of, of wages are showing signs of picking up uh, the big jobs report that we all wait and scrutinize every month that we just saw this morning, that only showed um, 2.8% wage growth, which is still kind of mediocre. Um, we just we all keep wanting it to jump above 3% um, at the moment, 2.8%. It, it sounds decent, but... Um, as we all know, costs are rising for gas, for rent, for other items we have to purchase and, and pay for on a, on a daily and, and monthly basis. And so inflation at the moment, those rising prices are actually wiping out that entire 2.8% increase. So that's why we really want it to go higher. So let's talk about the midterms. What does, is you're, you're saying it's kind of middle of the road. I've, I've heard a lot of crowing. I've heard a lot of people saying that it's that numbers are good. And even with the lower number of jobs created that was just announced today for last month, it's still, you know, it's, it's still lowest unemployment since, you know, 50 some odd years, something like that. It's really the, the numbers show uh, a booming economy. How does that impact the midterms in your estimation? So no, normally you'd expect that that would be a bounce for the president, a bounce for Republicans, that people would really look at this uh, strong economy and and, uh, and say that they want to keep that party in power. Um, there's you know a number of unique factors that I think are going on heading into this midterms that makes um, the economy perhaps not as big of a factor as it, as it normally would be. Uh, I wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago for um, our daily 202 cake at the Washington Post and. Uh, pointed out that um, when when Pew Research polling asked people, um, you know, how worried are you about your finances or about the state of the economy? Um, it's about only about a quarter of people still say that they're worried about that. So that's good news. It's good that lots of people you know, do feel better and are really thinking that their personal finances are, are better off than what, than what they were a couple months ago or a couple of years ago, certainly. But the flip side of that is, you know, the last election, that number was close to 50%. So the economy was just a much bigger issue on people's minds, even in 2016, than what we're seeing right now. So where does it go? Because you have all these swing seats. I'm in Missouri, so you have Claire McCaskill, who for the first time since she's been, uh, you know, since the, the actual primaries ended, and she knew she was running against Josh Hawley, since that was official, she's now polling behind him. Uh, based on kind of this furor over the Supreme Court nomination. How do you see the the economy impacting that race? 
I think you're right. I think the reality is that the economy, what I'm trying to say, and you're saying it better, is, is the economy is playing um, second fiddle to uh, to a lot of these bigger issues. Supreme Court, I think, is certainly at the top of the list right now. Uh, a bunch of people here in, in my office and in Washington, D.C., are glued to listening to Senator Collins deliver mm-hmm. her uh, speech about how she's going to vote tomorrow. So um, I, I think that's motiv- definitely motivating people more. Similarly, the immigration issues in a lot of races are, are also very much at the top of people's minds uh, as they head into this midterm election. So your, your usual and healthcare is another one that I hear from people. That's kind of a financial issue. People are very frustrated. There was just a report out this week that for the first time ever, uh, the average pr- com- company is paying $20,000 per employee for healthcare, which is just an astronomical amount. And out-of-pocket uh, deductibles have just been going up and up. The um, average deductible for one person is now over $1,300 a year. And a lot of people, when I tweeted that statistic out, immediately responded saying, gee, that sounds low. Mine's even higher. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, in that sense, people are feeling it. But it's not so I don't hear as much and we don't see in the polling data as much this frustration over jobs because the good news is most people can get a job. Sure. So I'm I, I so a couple things. I just when I'm when I hear people talking about the healthcare issue, it's not something that's at top of mind in the news. And I think for millions of Americans uh, that get their health insurance through their employer, seeing an uptick in the rates is something we've gotten super used to. It's really people who are uninsured or are on Obamacare and aren't satisfied with that that are having healthcare as a major issue for them. Um, but there, there's still the issue of the actual legislation and whether or not Obamacare will survive, be replaced by something else, or completely dismantled. And that is not something that politicians are running on. Um, and the other thing that I'm, I'm interested to get your take on is, so we're sitting here, and you know what, Heather? It's the 5th of October. The election is still more than 30 days away. With the news cycles moving at the speed of light, like this time next week, we will no longer be talking about the Supreme Court nomination. It will be over. (laughs) One way, yeah, yeah, for better or for worse, it'll be over. Well, I mean, anything is possible. Someone could say, we can't vote tomorrow. We have to vote next Friday. We need another (laughs) investigation. But most likely, we'll be done with this subject and we'll be moving on. What do you think will rise to the fore in the absence of the Kavanaugh Supreme Court issue? What comes to the fore after that as an election issue? Because there's still weeks left to campaign on both sides. I don't know. We obviously have a president who says things that are seized upon every day or tweets things uh, (laughs) that can immediately change the news cycle. And I have yet to meet anyone who can completely read the mind of of President Trump. So uh, I hesitate to speculate. I will say in my space, in the econ and financial space, I think very little in the next month could really change things. The only thing that I think could possibly sway people is if we were to see some sort of, uh, I hate to use the word disaster, but some sort of big sell-off in the stock market. Uh, you know, that's kind of an immediate, very obvious, heavily reported sentiment indicator. Obviously, it's been good. It did hit a new high this week. Um, you know, by and large, it's up about 78% so far this year in the United States. So, by and large, those metrics look good. I don't think they're causing people to vote or not vote one way or the other. But, um, you know, but if that were to change and suddenly go go down for some reason, kind of like what we saw earlier this year when we, when we had that 10, 10% correction, that that would be a talker and that would be a could be a potential factor. Hmm. So, but if things stay stable economically, 
then it's kind of any man's game as to how people are going to campaign. I think, I, I guess I should maybe correct that when I say the Supreme Court will no longer be an issue. One side is going, the losing side yeah. is going to continue to campaign on it, obviously. So it will mm-hmm. still be there. But um, I just, I, so we, we also had a guest earlier this week who talked about healthcare being an issue for swing vote states. So states where, uh, yeah. like in, here in Missouri again, and Nevada also, people are raising healthcare as an issue that is, uh, you know, pivotal for them. And Democrats are running on healthcare and the pre-existing conditions. They want to keep the, the you yeah. know, people safe from that. And Republicans haven't really mentioned it. Um, it, it I, I'm, well, at least that I've seen. Maybe there have been some that have been running out, but I haven't heard anything. Um, and so it, it could feasibly be that issue because the economy is good enough and that the, the you know, record un- low unemployment, it could be that the healthcare kind of bubbles up to the top. I think you're right. I'll make two quick points on that. Uh, number one is when, um, historically when people study voting trends, wealthy people typically, you know, they're very rich. They don't vote on economic issues. They, they tend to, more often to vote on social issues. And I think in this period when more prosperity and more jobs and you know, more pay increases are reaching the middle class and in some cases the, the working class, um, I think we're seeing a similar pattern this this midterm where uh, where voters are focused on you know on other issues that are burnt, bubbling to the top for them, whether it's cultural or religious issue or whether it's mm. um, you know the healthcare issue. I think uh, on the healthcare point, that's interesting. It kind of goes both ways. Um, I, one of my colleagues, Tracy Jan, just uh, did a dispatch where she um, noted that. Republican candidates in, in swing districts, probably including Missouri, um, that they are really being um, called out and, and forced to take a side on the pre-existing conditions. And obviously that provision is very popular, arguably the most popular provision of Obamacare. And so um, you know, that's, that's been a tricky one for some of the swing, swing Republicans to figure out their stance. I do think the Republican or the Democrats have a bit of an edge on the health care with, you know, there's a big debate about the cost of some sort of Medicare for all plan, but it's a very simple solution to a complex issue. And it may not be the right solution. We could debate that all afternoon. I'm not saying I endorse it, but I do think that if you're a voter who is concerned about cost of health care, who is wanting a better solution for their family, I think that line, at least in polling data, appears to be resonating. Mm. Well, you know, I, it remains to be seen. I had lunch with a friend today, a big, big salad. And I don't mind telling you the last thing we said to each other before we hugged and said goodbye so I could come do this show is I said, I, and, you know, I'm a grown woman. I obviously am able to get, you know, experience stress and go through things. But sometimes I just wish tomorrow would be the day where I wake up and it's the day after the midterm. So the, the, <laughs> the kind of waiting and seeing, you know, we still have a month of this left. And it's just, it feels like it's too much, you know. Well, I agree. And as someone who covers the, uh, the economy, I think uh, for me, I, I just hope that there's a, a focus as soon as those midterms end, that at times like these when the unemployment is low and, and the economy is doing very, very well, this is a real time for the working class to make gains in America. I think people across the income spectrum can agree with that. And uh, I just hope that um, we look for more ways as a society to ensure that uh, the prosperity reaches everyone. Well, I think the best way is for everyone to have a job. That's a good first step. Um, 
taking care, like finally figuring out what we're doing with healthcare would be another good step. Mm. Um, I'm a firm believer in the free market, but I know we have to have some regulation and we have to have some framework. And it seems to me that with 400 and is it 467, 437, it's well over 400 people elected and making gobs and gobs of money to figure things out uh, that they could figure something out and come to a compromise on exactly what we're going to do going forward with healthcare. The economy seems to be in a really great place and I'm looking forward to more. I'm, I'm choosing to stay upbeat and hope for even more good things um, and for them to continue. But we never know what's going to happen. We have to just, you know, just not, not go crazy in the in between. <laughs> I think you're right. And I think we will see unemployment move even lower. So um, exciting times ahead. Oh, fantastic. Heather, thank you so much for coming on today. Heather Long, economics correspondent for the Washington Post. It's been a pleasure. You too. Have a good weekend. Okay, you too. Um, I I really enjoy getting a chance to talk to, especially since, you know, sometimes we we um our characterizations of the the mainstream press have can be kind of tough, but it's nice to have someone she takes her time out to come on the program and talk with us about economic issues. And it's just good to have that additional expert perspective. I don't have actual ability to pass on audio to you, but I have to say, whatever is going on with Susan Collins and her speech, I've never seen so many positive comments for her anywhere. Um, and and the, the whatever she's saying, it must be pretty fantastic. Um, she still is talking. She's not actually saying what her voice what her vote is going to be, at least not yet. As soon as I know what it is, I will share it with you. Um, but for right now, I want to, we just have a couple minutes left in this segment. Um, I want to talk about this, this. So you've got this Republican who had previously said something very, very nice about Claire McCaskill. Um, he'd said that Claire McCaskill, his name is Senator Pat Roberts. And he said, if you want to pick someone to work in a bipartisan manner to get things done, you pick Claire McCaskill. So he said that uh, apparently in a public forum where they were able to clip the audio and place it in a commercial, but they didn't ask his permission. Since then, he has endorsed Josh Hawley in the race, and she has been he's, he's, his campaign or his, his office has asked the McCaskill campaign to remove this ad um, because he doesn't want his endorsement of Josh Hawley to be marred by the fact that he's in an ad saying nice things about Claire McCaskill. Is this a kind of a bellwether I don't know he just pulled ahead of her in the polls Holly did so we'll see what happens stay right there we have more for you we'll take your calls 866-963-2037 866-963-2037 right after this what does it take to live an uncommon life Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment. Those of us who are fathers need to be careful not to become absentee dads, whether by being away from home too much or by being unavailable when we're there. A father's relationship with his daughter strongly influences her relationships with men, sexual behavior, and marriage. A father's relationship with his son strongly influences how to behave as a man. He learns to be a good husband and father by observing his own father. There's no better way to make a mark in this world, to shape the next generation, and to leave a lasting legacy than to show love and acceptance to your own kids. Be there as much as you can. 
Tony Dungy, author of the popular Uncommon book series. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com. Yo, 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 what up, Seth? Yo, what's up, Mike? How you doing? Man, I'm good, bro. Just let the club, you know, <laughs> the usual. The club? Man, them clubs don't love back, man. You ain't learned yet. You better slow down, dude. Ah, come on, Seth. You remember those days. We used to turn up together, man. Used to. Used to, brother. I'm on something much different. Like what, though? I mean, that Jesus music you be rapping about or beatboxing or whatever you be doing. I'm saying, though, that's how I worship. God gave me rap, so I give it back. Why, though? Gospel rap is boring, man. Boring? There's nothing boring about the ransom that ransomed me with himself Took me off the shelf to transform me into my best Surrounding me with those of like minds He drops bombs, some of which is found on UrbanFamilyTalk.com Fox on Faith with Lauren Green. For lots of people of faith, God's directive to subdue the earth means being a good steward of the planet entrusted to us. But conflict over scientists' claims of climate change and human responsibility have marred the political and religious landscape, but not for Dr. Catherine Hayhoe. For me, if I believe that God created this incredible universe that we live in, then what is science other than trying to figure out what he was thinking when he put it all together in the first place? Hayhoe is an evangelical Christian who is also an atmospheric scientist and professor of political science at Texas Tech University. She's also the director of the Climate Science Center. She is one of the subjects of a new documentary series called Let Science Speak, focusing on climate change and what to do about it. Dr. Hayhoe combines her faith and science to move forward as a good caretaker of the earth. Science is like a map. It can tell us which way is north and south and east and west, but our faith, what's in our heart, our values, that's the compass. That tells us what's the right way to go. For Fox on Faith, Lauren Green, Fox News. You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. What I'd like to do when we get all done, because this is almost rock bottom, I would like to have the future mending things so we can do things in a a collegial way that the United States Senate ought to do, and particularly when it comes to Supreme Court nominations. And you folks can have something to do with this. Now, I would never use the word fake news. I consider you folks policemen for our democratic system of government. But I want to show you where some of you have bias. I've had uh, demonstrators in my office uh, for two weeks now, both for Kavanaugh and against Kavanaugh. And uh, one time, the people that were for Kavanaugh wanted to be interviewed. And they said, we only inter- we're only interested in view- interviewing people against Kavanaugh. Now, is that- that's a bias that none of you should be proud of. And he's right. That's Senator- Senate Judiciary Chairman Senator Chuck Grassley. And he was addressing the fact that there's just been an overabundance of people in the media who only want to cover this from one side, just one side. That's it. It's not right. And he's saying after this is all over, we've got to do better. We've got to have them being interested in listening to both sides of the story and reporting that to the people. 
So, uh, yeah, we have the call lines open for you. We, yeah, I'm, I, so I'll give you at least this tidbit. Susan Collins has been going on for a while now, quite a bit, um, talking about she recapped the testimony. She talked about the importance of the assumption of innocence. She talked about friends that she'd uh, spent time with who had recounted their horrifying ordeal of being sexually assaulted and that most of them had not ever brought their claims forward. She congratulated the Me Too movement on having done, uh, you know, a good job of highlighting the issue. She's really it's it's like a master class in how to go through every single issue to prove that she has considered every single angle. She's not going to leave it up to chance that either side can say she was not thorough in considering which way she's going to vote. I'm just sick and tired of this idea that one or two or three senators has this much power. It's as if all the rest of them don't matter because these two or three senators can go to this side or to that side. She calls herself a Republican. I believe she in her heart sincerely believes she's a Republican. But in the big scheme of things, when she wants to on social issues, she swings over to the other side. And that is to our detriment. And I, I don't know her background as far as like her faith walk, but certainly the times where she has said abortion is her swing issue point to a lack of knowledge about what the scriptures say about life. So I'll just leave it there. Uh, we also have this little bit of audio from Alan Dershowitz. Good people will not serve if we continue to allow this. And I, I couldn't agree with him more. And remember, Alan Dershowitz is a uh, he's a he's a he's a Democrat. He's not someone who normally finds himself on the same side of, you know, Republicans or Republican issues. Yet he has continually had to call out the left because they're unhinged. So here he is talking about the, just the nature of the discourse and what we saw over the past few weeks with Judge Kavanaugh. It's number six. It changes the court, but it changes the court less than if he doesn't get confirmed and President Trump points, appoints somebody even further to the right. That's not what this is about. The court will be changed. That's the reality of a presidential election. The question is now all about whether we allow a nominee to be discredited without hard proof, hard evidence, and whether or not... Uh, this establishes as a precedent for the future where nobody is going to want to serve on the bench. I mean, the idea that he can't teach at Harvard now because he was suspected. When I was growing up in Brooklyn College as a student, they fired professors because they were prof suspected of maybe being communist when they were in their uh, 20s. Suspicion was enough. This kind of sexual McCarthyism is a terrible, terrible precedent. Look, women being assaulted is a horrible, horrible thing. But women making up stories uh, the way at least one witness may well have made up a story out of whole cloth, that's a serious matter, too. And we have to look into all of these issues. This is a teaching moment. And I hope we learn the right thing from this teaching moment. So will we? Because when I say we and, and I saw somebody uh, earlier today who said, if you don't think if you think there's only corruption on one side, then you're a part of the problem. I believe that there's corruption on both sides of the, the aisle, but I believe the most obvious and clearly biased behavior is coming from Democrats. And I remember when Barack Obama was the president and people would often go on television and they'd you know, get in the comments on certain websites and even post on your Facebook wall, you know, Republicans said they hope that 
President Obama fails. Well, I didn't hope he failed because that's like saying to the pilot who's about to fly you from Chicago to to Miami, I hope you fail. You, do you really want the pilot to be a failure? No. So I didn't want Obama to fail. I did want his shtick about transforming America. Uh, I wanted that to fail. There's no way I wanted him to transform this country. It wasn't in need of a transformation. So I know there's going to be a pushback on the agenda of the president. But that's that's one thing. But to completely change the process of confirming judges to something that like what we're seeing now, just because of social politics, it's the social issues. I thought it was interesting that Heather Long pointed out that when people are experiencing economic prosperity, they tend to vote on social issues. And we all know how liberal, uh, you know, the wealthy parts of Hollywood and the wealthy parts of California can be. But I know plenty of well-heeled individuals who do well financially who are as bedrock conservative as the day is long. So if it's really the social issues that we're going to be voting on, then people have to be willing to tell the truth. Um, and, And... part of that truth that the Gosnell movie is out there's there's there there are truths out there for us to to know and to be had and we'll just have to see if that's what people are going to be voting on but I encourage you continue to pray uh, about this issue with with Judge Kavanaugh and um I'm just still waiting on the announcement she's she's still talking 250. She's been talking for, I, I believe someone put in the comments over an hour. We'll see what happens there. Um, and we'll also take, um, yes. Okay. So I said earlier, I wasn't sure about what her faith walk was. I, I am aware that Susan Collins is Catholic, but I, I, when I say I'm not aware of what her faith walk is, I mean, the, the things you can't really know about any person unless you're strictly judging by their behavior. And if she's a Catholic, she can hardly be a practicing Catholic, one who receives communion, um, if her priest has paid attention to the things she said about abortion, because she's for abortion. So if she's for it and the church teaches against it, then she's not in good faith, um, you know, with, with her own, it, it is her religion that, that calls for that. Not me. It's not like I wrote it. It's not like I said, Hey, you know, you can't be for abortion. I, I don't have anything to do with it. But I, I also am kind of interested in how it cracks out for her speaking of the just like what makes her so just ridiculously inclined to okay here it is she said yes she's voting yes on Kavanaugh I I don't know where that takes us on the numbers I'll definitely look at that if you want to call in um, on anything we've discussed so far in the program um, the call lines are open at 866-963-2037 so apparently she did very well. I will be listening to that directly after the program today. Um, there's a, a number of live streams that had it that I can go to and listen to. So I'm not sure what number that puts us at for the votes. Um, but definitely she was one of the ones that people were concerned about. And so very exciting. Very, very, very exciting. Great news that she's going to be a yes, especially after the defection of Alaska's Murkowski. Um, Fantastic. So back to the show sheet. I have good news out of Missouri. And that good news is that a judge has struck down an abortion sanctuary city ordinance saying St. Louis violated the First Amendment in their attempt to sanctify abortion. They wanted to become America's first sanctuary city for abortion. Now, I can tell you, you know, as you all know, 
we live in the suburbs of St. Louis. And the last thing St. Louis needs is to lift up abortion as another idol in this city, a city that is plagued by high crime, persistently high crime, number one per capita murder rate in the country. I mean, just an amazing amount of societal ills that are going on here. And instead of working on those, they wanted to make a, so they want to protect the last uh, fully operational battle station for abortion, the last Planned Parenthood that does abortions on demand. They do them Monday through Sunday. So they're aborting babies on Sunday. Uh, They want to protect it. And the pro-life movement here in St. Louis is very strong. And we have worked so hard to get to, to a place where we're within striking distance from 12 clinics down to just this one. And uh, it's, it's pretty amazing that God has seen fit to do that work here, uh, but it's not enough. It's not enough if there's still that one left, the biggest one ever. So what they did was they saw this, it's a groundswell of support. It's a, a real, there's a lot of young people involved in the pro-life movement here in, in uh, St. Louis. In fact, I'm going to be speaking to Students for Life at St. Louis University later on this month. They're having a leadership meeting and I'm going to go in and do a keynote. And uh, so it's, it's good news that this has been struck down. Uh, I, really, it's just glory to God. So grateful to, to get this news. Let's go to the phones. We have Cindy and Virginia. Cindy, thank you so much for calling into the show today. Hello. Hey there. Hey, thanks for calling in. Oh, I can hardly hear you. I'm sorry. Ah, okay. okay. Well, what, well, what's I'm, your comment? I, I have been trying to get through since this all started. Um, first, I want to thank you. I listen to you every day. But I want to speak also as a survivor. Okay. I want to speak as someone who has worked with over 10 years working with survivors, including children. And I want to say that I do not believe um, anything that she said. Um, I didn't watch like a lot of people did as far as, I mean, I watched the whole thing. I didn't watch once she started speaking. I actually watched to see her demeanor before she sat down. Hmm. And I can tell you, as also being in the court, um, I mean, that told me everything. I, I could, the way that she came into that room, the way that she was not afraid, the way that she was smiling and Smirking, that is not a survivor. That is not someone who has been sexually abused. I know some say that, well, maybe I think it happened somewhere else. No, it's not. It was all an act. And while everybody was watching how she portrayed herself with her hair and her glasses, I've seen real survivors, and I've been one. So as far as the details go, maybe you don't always... um, Know everything, but she didn't know. I mean, what she didn't know made no sense. And it is very frustrating because I feel this is putting, uh, it's setting back true survivors. And it's very frustrating because there are women out there, along with children, that do have the details. And for someone to be able to just say this, 
Plus, I also, as a, as a mother who has sons, you know, this is just, oh, it's appalling. Mm. Thank you so much for that, uh, your expertise and for calling into the show and for listening. Thank you so much, Cindy. I appreciate that. Um, wow. Okay. So that was fantastic. Um, okay. I... I want to take the next call, but we will not have time to do that right at this moment. As you know, if you're leaving us right now, we're going to say goodbye to you from the heartland. But we also have uh, some news and information coming up next, and then we'll be back for those who are staying with us. Thank you so much. If you're wanting to call in for that, uh, 866-963-2037. And you can always find us at urbanfamilytalk.com, AFR.net, StacyOnTheRight.com. And I'm, I'm... I mean, I'm loving that Susan Collins said she is standing firm and she's voting for Judge Kavanaugh. Also, Manchin has said he is voting yes. So um, Manchin kind of takes the place of the defection of Murkowski. And so I don't know if those numbers put us solidly in 50-50 where Pence would have to break the tie or if it will have to go... Uh, if there are other, if there's another Democrat who's going to, um, yeah, Manchin's a, a yes. So we'll we'll see, and I'll have a little bit more for you on that as well. I'm 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 flabbergasted. It was it was definitely difficult for Susan Collins to make the decision to vote yes. She's been under immense pressure. Protesters at her home, over three thousand coat hangers mailed to her office. Uh, constant protesters in the building and in her office, and the threats. All of them have increased security as they move about the Capitol building and, and go to and from there. You know, they have their, their homes in uh, Washington and as well as in their home state. There's, it's just been a really rough time for them. And your prayers have been appreciated. I, I, I believe, you know, we know the prayers go on into eternity. So that, that's, that's where it's at right now. Let's keep praying and um, keep praising God for some common sense. All right. Right after this, you got onenewsnow.com info. Stay stay here for it.